I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. Bet you didn't know that, did you? <laughs> I think the ones here, we we do meet, just a few people meet, camera people and Mike back here, and six or eight people meet uh, on Wednesday evening at 6.30, Saturday afternoon at 2.30. And that's when I start reading emails. And uh, we're just, I haven't opened the church fully yet. You're welcome to come on in here at at uh, these times. But I'm still afraid if you come, you've got to wear either a mask or practice social distancing, stay away from each other. I'm afraid of getting the coronavirus because... I've had a history of everything sickness can give. I mean, I've had two heart attacks, triple bypass surgery in 2001. Had a, here about four months ago, I had a stroke. And I've been sickly all my life. I was in and out of the hospital all through my 40s with bronchial, bronchial bronchitis and bronchial pneumonia. And... Uh, if I get coronavirus, it just might kill me. You'll be out one less preacher, okay? i got to be careful. So, I'm teaching. Let me say something to you. I have some people, not just one, they're saying, why you teach on something for a long time? That's like asking an algebra teacher. You taught on that a couple of days ago. Why don't you get on something new? You can't teach algebra in two two lessons. Let me tell you what you can't do. You cannot teach baptism in two lessons either. That's like saying, can you preach on predestination in two lessons? No, you can't. Baptism. How about Christmas on two? Do you know on all these subjects, I'll stay on one for four five months some things i've stayed on all year long bringing everything from all kinds of directions you can't preach on baptism in two in two messages it's not possible because baptized does not mean to dip in water doesn't mean to immerse in water at all boy there's so much detail to that how can i say that in a few sentences i can't baptize People think that it means water. It comes from baptizo and bapto. Whether you believe that or not, look up baptize in your concordance. It'll tell you baptizo means to whelm. Now, whelm does not mean to dip. It means to spread something over. The, the thing or the person. It means to cover. And bapto means to stain with the dye. Stain and dye. And baptism with bapto has the same exact meaning as pitch the ark within and without with pitch. Pitch with pitch. First word pitch. Kafar. Means to cover. Second word, pitch, kofur, which is the noun, means to cover with a stain or dye, and pitch was asphalt in its natural state. 
and it was a red color. Well, the Bible says, as eight souls were saved through it, it says by in your King James Bible, but the word is dia. It means through. They were saved through the water. The water was judgment. The water wasn't the baptism. The pitch was the baptism. That amazes me that I'm the only guy I've ever heard that figured that out. And when you look it up in your concordance, that's exactly what it is saying. And that's exactly the same word as atonement means to cover. In fact, that word whelm, to whelm, gives you a, gives you a secret to the meaning of the word. Whelm, when you look up baptize in the McClellan and Strong, in the first, in the first paragraph, it will say that baptize was a verbal noun. Now, I know what that is. That is an infinitive. An infinitive is a verbal noun. It's a noun, any way you slice it, with verbal character. That means, just like this says here, Whelm, it means there's a fluid coming from an outer source upon the person. And it stains him and dyes him. The Bible says in the seventh chapter of Revelation, he's washed from our sins in his own blood. That's really all I'm going to say about baptism right now. I can go all day long on that. It's just not what people are thinking. I listen to a Church of Christ preacher every day, and he's a really good scholarly man. But boy, he gets on water, and he says, this is what saves you. I believe he's meaning that you have to be repentant. Very bright man on on uh, WNAH. I just listened to it because I'm on there. And he's very intelligent. But he pastors some Church of Christ across town. He'll say a lot of good things till he gets to that water part. And people say, where does the water come from? Proselyte baptism. That was a process that was used to bring people into Israel. It was a naturalization process. You do know what naturalization means, don't you? That means you come to America from Europe and you apply for a green card. And they say you got to go before a committee and you got to answer certain questions and they, they approve you of citizenship after so many years. Well, all you had to do as a according to the Pharisees, was to be circumcised, washed in water, and offer two turtle doves. That was the water baptism. Don't have time. And how can I preach on, how can I preach on predestination in a message, one message? Predestination, it takes a long time. The thing is, most people don't understand. Predestinate is not the word. It's not the word, period. For whom he did foreknow, he also did. Pro-rizzo is the word. Pro means before. That's our prefix pre. Pre. Horizo, there are no H's in the Greek. There's a diacritical mark there. It has an H sound. Huh, like that. Anytime you see diacritical mark, Sometimes it might be in the middle of a word, but right here it's on the front of the word. 
Horizo, H-O-R-I-Z-O. And the Latins later on put an N on it. It actually means to predetermine for the rising or for the light. And that has to do, that has to do with forgiveness. How can you say that to somebody who don't know anything about it? Most of you know all about it. Forgiveness is the word of A-P-H-E-S-I-S. It means to pardon and release from prison. Well, the Bible says in the Old Testament all the way through the book of Isaiah. Tell you what you do. Read the book of Isaiah and notice how many times Isaiah is talking about the Gentiles coming out of prison, prison, to the light. That's why Paul said, I came to give light to the Gentiles. And notice all of his books were written to Gentiles. Romans, Corinthians, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy. Well, Timothy was passing a church at Ephesus, a Gentile church. Titus, Philemon, all that was to Gentiles. So he says, God sent me to call the Gentiles to the light. So when Isaiah's talking about the Gentiles coming to the light, I called Isaiah the Old Testament Paul. I called Paul the New Testament Isaiah. And that's why I do that. And that's what they are. They do each other's job. That is the Old Testament Old Testament is the shadow. Isaiah tell you what's going to happen, and Paul shows you it happening. And I can't preach on that. You got predestinate several places. You got it over there in Ephesians one. To quote four and five, He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. Chosen. Is just like predestinate. Chosen. We're chosen to something that we should be holy and without blame. Without blame before God in love while we're here upon the earth. Well, we're predestined to be conformed. Both of these are verbs. They got to have Something receives the action of the verb. We are predestined to be conformed to the image, icon, the likeness of Jesus. Well, wouldn't that be without holy and without blame? Same thing. That's the same thing as First Peter 1 and 2. We're elected. Elect unto obedience and the sprinkling of blood. Wait a minute. Sprinkling of blood 
is going to be the same thing as a blood baptism, is it? And a blood baptism was a death, that's death itself. Does a man have to be baptized to go to heaven? Yes. Not in water, in the blood of Christ. He's washed us from our sins in his own blood. I can't teach on a subject. I can't even begin to get started. Then after verse 4 in Ephesians 1, he says, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children, we're predestinated to be adopted. To the adoption is going to be conforming to the likeness of Christ, isn't it? It's going to be holy and without blame. We're predestined to pre, to be adopted. Adoption is the word huothosia, H-U-I-O-T-H-E-S-I-A. comes from huios, H-U-I-O-S, and tithomai. Tithomai means to place, to place sons. Place sons. Oh goodness, that reminds me of Romans eight fourteen. The sons of God are who in Romans eight fourteen. Let's just read it here. Romans eight fourteen. So if we're predestined to be sons, this is what a son has to do. Eight fourteen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Oh, the Spirit, Holy Spirit is truth. Notice how all these things tie together. Holy Spirit is truth, John. John 14, 15. And it takes more than just that verse. Read all the next three verses or so. 14, John 15, 26, 26, John 16, 13. It talks about the Comforter being the Spirit of Truth. And then 1 John 5 and 7, uh, 5 and 6. The Spirit is the truth. So so a son does the truth according to 8.14 if he's predestinated to sons. And then he turns around and says in verse 11 of Ephesians, the first chapter, we have obtained an inheritance. As what? As sons. But we have to obey him, don't we? That's the same thing with Israel. They were being disobedient. So God sends the 70 weeks to convince them they have to obey. Well, they didn't probably didn't go through a whole lot more than I have in my life because I lived for myself for a lot of years. And God had to beat me with an inch of my life. Just like he's beating Israel with evil men. And we have obtained an inheritance. Verse 11, chapter 1 of Ephesians. Inheritance... Let me erase some of this. I'm, what I'm going to try to do is show you how this 70 weeks of Daniel equates with the New Testament 
being our, us being elect of God, we're elect unto obeying God and to a blood baptism. We're elected to death to self is what we're elected to. Do you die easy? No. I have died harder than anybody I know. I did not want to live the way God wanted me to live. I wanted to live half for God and half for me. I loved reading the Bible at 30 years old, but I wanted to be a star singer. That don't work. Fame doesn't go with Christianity. I said earlier that uh, Clint Eastwood said he liked the Buddhist religion. So I decided to look up some more real nice guys. I looked up Ron Howard. And I asked the question on on my iPhone. Is Ron Howard a Christian? He's a real nice guy. Everybody in Hollywood likes him. You know that, don't you? You know who Ron Howard is? Opie. He's a super big movie producer now, worth $400 million. And everybody says he's the easiest man to work with. They said the same thing about Clint Eastwood. And I said, is Ron Howard a Christian? And they said on the Internet, well, he's not against the Catholic Church like the Catholics have accused him of being when he produced that movie Angels and Demons about 10 years ago. said he's not against... Catholics, he loves their hierarchy. Ron Howard loves Opie, likes the Pope and all the priests and all the rituals. He's a real nice guy, and they say everybody likes him. But he said he was raised a Mormon by his father, Rance Howard. And Rance, you'll see him in a movie once in a while with him. And Ron is so powerful in Hollywood, he can do anything he wants to do. But he was raised in Mormonism, and he said he likes the Catholic Church. He's like something I don't like. So I decided, Mary said, look up Canal Reeves. She loves Canal Reeves. Because he's a nice guy, and he never takes any kind of stand. And he won't tell you his personal life. And he really won't tell you what he is. But they say that he likes Buddhism. And, uh, now, you can take all the nice guys in the world. What does the Bible say about friends with the world? Friendship with the world is enmity against God, and whosoever be a friend of the world is the enemy of God, and they're not taking any stand for anything. Clint Eastwood don't take a stand. Ron Howard don't take a stand. Colonel Reeves don't take a stand. They don't care. I take a stand. I don't care who likes it and who don't like it. I don't care if my wife don't like it. I don't care if my daughter don't like it. I don't care if my son, my grandsons don't like it. And they all, my grandsons like it. And my, and my wife likes this truth. And my son and my son and daughter don't like the truth. My daughter don't like it at all. But she'll have to face God at the judgment. Just because somebody's a nice guy, don't think they're they're a Christian. It doesn't mean anything. You can pick out anybody in the world that's real popular, that's famous. Now, Ron Howard's famous for directing 
more than for being Opie on Andy Griffith Show. He's a real famous, very rich man. He's got a house that looks like it spreads over a mile. It's unbelievable. And but he's raised a Mormon. Mormons don't believe they don't believe the same Jesus I believe. The Bible says if you're friends with the world, you're at enmity with God. Enmity, ekthra, E C H T H R A. Ekthra means hostile. You're hostile to God. I believe Ron Howard is hostile to God. I believe Clint Eastwood is hostile to God. They'll have to stand at the judgment. I like to pick out the best people you can think of. The nicest guys in Hollywood. The nicest stars in sports. And check them out. Check their religious beliefs out. Because most of them, when they're real popular, do not believe anything true. They don't want to take a stand. If you take a stand, you become an enemy of the world and a friend of God. Friends of the world are enemies of God. This is something that Christians need to understand so you won't be jealous of somebody that's got so much more than you have. Now, if you get along with the world, the Bible says, Bless you to ye when men shall reproach you. Reproach is O-N-E-I-D-I-Z-O. That word oniedzo, you're only blessed when you're oniedzo. Infamous. If you're a famous rock star and you're a famous singer and you're a famous sports star and all the world likes you, you're God's enemy. That's what the Bible teaches. Why is that? Because you're not taking a stand. You're not being blood baptized. You're not dying to self. I can't teach all this all at once. Now, I'm still on the subject of the main reason I want you to see this. This is the shadow over here. It's easier to understand this shadow. When Israel went after other gods, and I have written them down over and over again. Baal, Grove, Shemosh, Molech, Rimmon, Isis, Osiris, hundreds of the gods of the Egyptians, the hundreds of the gods of the Amorites and the Hittites. Israel went after all of them. The Bible says so. Read the first Read the ninth chapter of Ezra, the first few verses, how Israel went after all the gods of the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites. They were going after Venus and and they were going after Rimmon, the god of the Syrians. They went after all of them. That's why God scattered them all over the earth and issued issued these 70 weeks of Daniel. He's going to have the beast world system to beat Israel until they repent. Well, is that going to happen in the New Testament? Yeah, I guess it is. How do you know that people need beating? Because the Bible says they do. 
The Bible says there's none good, not one. There's none that understand this. Nobody seeks God. Well, if there's none that seeketh after God, how are you going to seek God? Well, he's got to choose you before the foundation of the world. He had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy. Holy is the word hagios. You're not holy when you're born. You're born with a sinful nature, and then God says, what I'm going to have to do to you? When you come to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, just like Adam and Eve did, when you come to right and wrong, the Bible says you will go straight to sin, straight to wrong. All of us have done that, right? Don't lie. What you're doing is calling God a liar. If you sin, I never sinned like that. Yes, you have. We all have. Well, the only thing God can do is birth, is pick you out. Pick you out. Did he pick people out in the Old Testament? He picked out all of his people. Look at, look at Deuteronomy 7. We're going to look at some of the people he chose. Old Testament and New. Look over here in Deuteronomy 7. Israel didn't have anything to do with God picking them. That was his arbitrary choice, Deuteronomy 7. Deuteronomy 7. Now, he's telling them. Deuteronomy is right before they cross the river to go into Israel. Let me see here. That's my favorite Christmas picture right there. The little third world person dreaming about a bowl of rice. A little kid in America dreaming about all the things he's going to have. What's so bad about Christmas? This right here. That's what's bad about it. Now, I've forgotten what I was looking for. I changed the subject to what it did. Okay. I need to give me something that'll teach me how to find these things. All right. That's my favorite picture because that has the entire Bible land in it. That's all the Bible land. I mean, Paul leaves Jerusalem, goes up here and preaches in in uh, Antioch, Iconium, Derby, and Lystra, and that's on Turkey. Then he comes over here and preaches to Philippi and Thessalonica, comes on down here and preaches at Athens and goes down to Corinth. Then he comes back here and on his second journey, he goes back and goes into those basic same areas. That's what the Bible is about. This is Rome, the beast with iron teeth. This is Greece, the leopard killer. And this is Babylon. And this is Persia. It's all there on this map. If preachers would use that, they would learn. Now, God had chosen us. Look here in... in Deuteronomy 7. I'm just going to try to show you how we were chosen and how they were chosen. And they were chosen to be 
literal Israel, but they had to be spiritual Israel and be obedient to God to be to be God's Israel. We are spiritual Israel, the church, and we have to obey God. And they didn't obey Him, and we don't obey Him. So they've got a beating coming to them, and we got a beating coming to us. Does the Bible say that? Yes, it does. <laughs> Let's just read this. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee in the land whither thou goest, Deuteronomy is taking place right above the Dead Sea. They're about to come over and possess the land of Israel, which is on the eastern end of the Mediterranean. They're going to come across. Deuteronomy is after God has killed off all the unbelief in Israel in the 40 years in the wilderness. So he says, you're going to go into the land. He's, Deuteronomy is a book of warning. Don't do the things that you want to do when you get in the land. There'll be a judgment. He even tells them in Deuteronomy, you're going to go after other gods and I'm going to send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. The beast was a beating by Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Rome was the beast in the first century when Jesus was here. Pilate was a Roman governor. They were under a Roman governorship. They were allowed to run, rule themselves as long as they behaved and didn't transgress any Roman laws. When they got out of hand, they would send Roman emissaries in and say, straighten up and fly right. If you don't, we'll bring Roman arms in here and we'll crush you. So Rome was, people want to know, where was the beast during the first century? It was Rome, the beast with iron teeth. When the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it. You haven't been there for at least, this is around 1450 or 1445 B.C., the land was given to Abraham about 600 years before this. Then it was given to Isaac, his son, then Jacob. So this is the land that was given to Abraham, which you can read over there in Genesis about Abraham. And that, and hath cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites. They were supposed to throw them out of the land, but they didn't. They were rebellious against God's laws. They married them. The women were beautiful, and the men said, Hey, we like that foxy lady. I think I'll marry him. Don't care what she believes. The Hivites, the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than thou. But I'm going to give you power to overcome them. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them from before thee, thou shalt smite them, and utterly destroy them. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Kill them. So what, you mean God is that serious about his people? Yes. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them. That's exactly what they did. When you read Judges, the first two chapters, they're marrying them right and left. They're supposed to drive them out. That's why they had so much trouble with them all the time they were a nation. 
Thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shall take unto thy son. He kept saying, don't take their daughters unto your son. The daughters stayed at home, took care of the kids in the house, while the man went out to the fields or to the marketplace and worked. What the woman did, if they married one of those heathen women, she would stay at home and teach her children Baal and Grove worship. That's why he's saying this. I guess, I don't know if I've said it that plain before, but that's why they can't marry him. And shall not take them unto thy son, for they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve Baal in the grove and Shemash and Molech, other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you. That's why God got angry at them. For 500 years they went after these other gods. That's why God gets mad at the believing Christian, the apostate believer in the New Testament, because he goes after another god of self. The Bible says covetousness. You can find this in Ephesians, the third chapter, and Colossians, the, the Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and Colossians, the third chapter. Covetousness is idolatry. It's not any different. It's not any different than the idolatry that ears was involved in all the time they were a nation. No different. Idolatry is the word E-I-D-O-L-O-L-A-T-R-E-I-A. Idololatria. That's the word idolatry. It comes from ido, meaning to see, and latruo, meaning to serve. means to serve what you put into your eyes and your ears. That's what they did over here. They looked at these other gods... Why would they go after these other gods? Because of something that they thought God was going to take away from them. Probably one of the most severe laws that they had was the sabbatical year. God says in Leviticus 25, He says, I want every seven years... Leave the land alone. Don't harvest anything there. Don't plant anything there. It will be for the poor, for the animals. And if you need something, you go into the field. But you can't harvest anything that's there. And you can't plant anything. Anything that grows of itself is for everybody that wants to go out there and get it. He said, if you keep all these laws, that's the one they didn't like more than anything. You mean we got to go an entire seventh year and we're not supposed to plant anything or harvest anything? No. So they said, we'll go after these other gods, Baal and Grove and Shemash and Molech, that'll let us have our way and we'll dictate to them what our laws will be. That's why they went after them. They didn't have to observe this. And they liked, they went after They saw the food and they put that into their eyes and their ears and said, that's what we want. They didn't understand. I keep bringing it up, crop rotation. If you live out in the Midwest and a farmer owns a thousand acres, he can't plant the same acre every year. He just can't do it. If he does, it'll soak, it'll 
just pull all the nutrients out of the ground. It won't grow anything after a few years. Can you imagine after Israel had 70 sets of these seven years? 70 sets. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, two. There's two. There's two sabbatical years. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, three. And then count up to 70 of those. That's 490 years. They never let the land alone, and it was dry. I can't imagine what they could not grow after 490 years of not keeping the sabbatical year. It's, 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 it, they were crazy. But God is not going to say... He's not going to say to them, look, if you don't do this, there's something called, I've got my own crop rotation. Let me explain to you what happens. You'll pull all the nutrients out of the ground, and after so many years, it won't grow nothing. I can imagine after that long, 490 years, that they couldn't grow anything on their land. They brought it on themselves. And it's because they wanted that seventh year. And you can't do something when God says don't do it. He didn't tell them why. You don't ever read in the Bible where it says it'll pull all the nutrients out of the ground. But it will. I've said this before. Me and Mary had a little garden over there on Irvin. We planted it every year for about ten years. And about the tenth year we'd go out and buy these tomatoes up at Kmart, and they were jumbo tomatoes. And they ended up like cherry tomatoes because they wouldn't grow. You can't do that to land. I learned that myself. So, well, let's read on here. For they will turn, verse 4, they will turn away thy son from following me that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you because you're not obeying his law and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall you deal with them. You shall destroy their altars, break down their images, cut down their groves, burn their graven images with fire, for thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen the Lord thy God hath chosen thee. He did the choosing. We didn't. To be a special people, a church, a Christian people, unto himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Now look closely at that next verse. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any people you were the fewest you were the smallest for you were the fewest of all people that certainly does remind us in the new testament straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life and few there be that find it oligos a puny number will find this straight. That's because a straight gate is hard. Stenos. 
That's the noun form, stenos. Stenazo is the verb. Stenazo is the word groan. You can find that over and over again in Romans 8. It's, it's repeated constantly. God he sees our groanings, and we are groaning with utterances that cannot be uttered. We pray, and we don't know what to pray for as we ought. And we're in a straight gate and a narrow way, a thalibo way, T-H-L-I-B-O. That is a verb form of the word thalipsis. And thalipsis is the word tribulation. We have to go through tribulation. And where's the tribulation going to come from? It's going to come from persecution. And persecute is a word, dokeo. It means to to flee people that want to pierce us. That reminds us of scorpions, doesn't it? Scorpion means to pierce, and scorpions are false teachers. The Bible says they are. The Lord told Ezekiel, you may dwell among scorpions. In that second chapter of Ezekiel, for you dwell among scorpions, be not afraid of their words. Scorpions in the ninth chapter of Revelation is false teachers. Jesus said, the hireling, the man that works for money, preaches for money, cares not for the sheep. He allows the wolf to come in and scatter the flock. Scatter is the bird form of scorpion. Scorpizo. So everything in the Old Testament, if if God is using these seventy weeks to chastise Israel, that is the world system that is chastising Israel. It is the world beast system. The beast is nothing but the political. system of the world it is what is ruling the world what's ruling the world is not Christianity well I guess let me finish reading that verse the Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were the greatest number of people there's a verse over there in Luke the Lord says fear not little flock he didn't say, fear not great big worldwide mega church. It's a little flock. It's an oligos, puny flock. Not many people will believe the truth. Fear not little flock, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's a little flock. Most people are going to hell. Why does the gate... Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many go in there at, few go in the narrow way. Don't feel bad if you don't have many friends. If you have many friends, then you're of the world. You you cannot say, I just don't have many friends that really care about me. Good. Unless you just got a real bad person out there. <laughs> Now look over here. Let's go over here to Hebrews. This is exactly what God was doing 
in the Old Testament to Israel. He's beating them with this world system. Look over here in Hebrews. 12th chapter. 12th chapter. Now, 12th chapter of Hebrews. Look here in verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son he receives. He has to do the receiving. We can't receive him. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says we can't receive him. Raise some of this so I can use the board more. All right. Whom the Lord loveth. Boy, if you don't define these words, it don't mean nothing. It doesn't say whom the Lord liketh. Whom the Lord agapao. A-G-A-P-E-O. It is the verb form of agape. Agape and flair are the two words that were that were translated into one word, L-O-V-E, and they're not the same word. Let me show you they're not the same word. Look over here. Hold your place there and go to John 15. Hold your place and go over here to John the 15th chapter. All right. John 15. Now look here in verse 14. Ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I have commanded you. What is it that God has commanded us? His agape. Agape, according to Second John 6. Second John 6. This is love. This is agape. That we walk after His commandments walking after his commandments would equate with that verse doing what I command you wouldn't that be the same thing he says you are my friends if you do what I command right so you can say agape equals agape equals doing what Jesus commands. This word phileo has many derivatives. It has the word philos, philia, P-H-I-L-I-A. Those words are interchangeable. This means friend. What are you saying? I, 
If you keep my commandments, then you're my friend. If you don't keep my commandments, I'm not a friend to you. He does You cannot interchange these two words like preachers do. He's saying, I have no affection for you if you don't do what I say. How's he going to get us to do it? Scourge us. Back over here to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Verse 6, whom the Lord loveth, he chastens. Oh, so that reminds me of the rich young ruler that came to Jesus. And Jesus named off five things that he was. He said, you're doing these, but you lack one thing. You're coveting. Sell your money and give it to the poor because that's your that's your besetting sin. The besetting sin is spoken of here in Hebrews 12. And he says, you got to get rid of what it is that you don't want to give up. That's your money. And he says here, whom the Lord loveth, if he loves you, you're keeping his commandments. He said about that rich young ruler, and Jesus loved him. He agaped him. If he had an agape for him, he was going to have to beat that man in submission, wasn't he? Remember that over there in Mark? Just look at it real quick. Mark. And Mark, the 10th chapter. Mark 10. Or is it Mark 6? No, that's Matthew. That's why I can't find it there. Matthew, Mark. Mark 10. And he tells the young ruler, sell all that you have and give to the poor. And verse 21 says, Then Jesus, beholding the rich young ruler, loved him. Wait a minute. He had agape for him. He had to be one of Jesus' elect. The fact that he loved him. Can you see that? If he loved him, he's going to have to scourge him. We know that that rich young ruler finally came to Jesus for the fact that Jesus loved him. He never said that about a Pharisee. Can you see that? He had to be a believer. So when we don't know, some say this may have been Nicodemus. Of course, Nicodemus finally believed. And he just, Jesus said he loved him, so he was friends with him, but he's going to have to make him believe because he wasn't believing. Now, go back over here to Hebrews. Whom the Lord loveth, he chases and he scourges. He scourges. Notice who he scourges. Every son he receiveth. That word receiveth is decomai. Decomai comes from deck, which is the word ten. A decade is ten years. Ten years. And decalogue, deck, the log, 
is ten dec logos. It's the ten words or ten commandments of God. Dekomai means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been presented. God has to accept us. We cannot accept him when we're dead in sin, can we? No. First Corinthians two fourteen. Sometimes I go through this real fast and I don't know if y'all are getting it. First Corinthians two fourteen, the natural man P S U C H I K O S the physical man, the man of the senses, this man that you can see here that can smell, hear, taste, touch, see, does not receive spiritual things. The natural man does not decomai. What has to happen, he has to receive us. And he scourges every son. He accepts as his. You can't accept him when you're dead in sin. But you will accept the things of God after he births you by his will, just like he birthed them by his will over here. Who did Jesus release from Egypt? Did he release the Egyptians? Did he release any of the Moabites? Did he release any of the... The Moabites weren't even in bondage in Egypt or the people of Ammon. The only people he released from Egypt was his people. I said a while ago that predestinate has to do with forgiveness. Forgiveness, for me, means to pardon and release from prison. The word prison in the Greek is the word phulake, P-H-U-L-A-K-E. Phulake is the word prison. It means the division of day and night, day and night, or light and darkness. That is the horizon, isn't it? We've been pre-pro-horizon or predestinated for the light. Predestinated, this is the dark, here's the light. And we've been predestined to be in the light. But he has to birth us in the light. And we have a tendency to want to wander back back in the darkness. And that's sin. Well, forgiveness means to pardon and release from prison. Means to pardon aphesis, A-P-H-E-S-I-S. But forgiveness is not free. Not free. When the Bible says, when Jesus gives us the Lord's prayer and tells us that we need to forgive others as he's forgiven us. How has he forgiven us? He caused us to, us to repent, didn't he? And he only forgives. You won't repent because you don't seek after God. You're dead. He has to put it in your heart for you to repent. But he requires that we repent every day. But that will happen as you get old. You say, I can't do that when I'm young. I know that. I couldn't either. Boy, I wanted to be somebody. I wanted to strut my stuff and get on stage and be famous and have everybody applaud and roar for me. Let me tell you what. There is no drug that'll make you that high. That's a high you ain't ever seen. And it is a sickness, too. Now, 
Of course, you have to repent. And it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. God will beat you with this scourge. The scourge, he scourges every son he receives. He does the receiving, and he scourges us mastigao, M-A-S-T-I-G-O-O. This mastigao is the same thing as the world beast system, as the Old Testament, when Israel is going after all these idols, God's going to send the beast in to beat them for 2,600 years until they repent. And they will as of May 14, 19. Well, they're not repentant yet, but they become a nation May 14, 1948. I believe there is a remnant in Israel that will repent. But they'll have to join us in believing Jesus. That's what they'll have to do. So, Master Gao was a bloody beating. It comes from mastix, M-A-S-T-I-X. That was the instrument that they used to mastigao a person. The mastic was a leather whip. Some of them would call it the cat and nine tails. It was pieces of glass and bone. And when God wields that, he can beat you with an inch of your life. When they beat Jesus with the cat of nine tails before he went to the cross, they say those guys were nearly artists when they wielded that mastix. That they could rip a man's side open and you can see his innards just pulsating. They ripped the hide off of him. God says, I do that to my people to get their attention. Has he nearly killed me? Oh yeah, I've been in the hospital. Boy, just thought I was dying in my mid-40s. I mean, really thought I was dying. I'd tell Mary, I'm not going to live to be 50. How do you know? Well, when you're fighting for breath, <laughs> fighting for breath I keep breathing. Get that therapist in here. Give me another breathing treatment. It was terrible. Let me tell you, a person that suffers from severe asthma, it's more frightening than a heart attack. I've had both of them. It's scary when you can't breathe. I've said this before. I feel like I'm on the bottom of a 100-foot swimming pool and somebody gave me a straw that's as thin as a hair to breathe through. It is scary. Mike has run with the hospital in the middle of the night years ago. Mary has too. One night we got to the hospital. Some night, some goofy nurse said, now, Mr. Crowden, you calm down. I said, you calm down. You you had never had this before. I'm screaming at the woman. <laughs> calm down. You tell a guy that can't breathe, calm down now. You can't calm down when you're having that kind of a breathing episode. But I wasn't, didn't have one of them. I had it over and over and over again. Been rushed in the night, in the middle of the night, rushed to the hospital in the middle of the night a dozen times. Stayed in the hospital for months at the time. You know what caused that to me more than anything else? Me. I'm the one that caused it because I was stressing out all the time. Stress is a killer and it's sin. Now, so, but you have to repent to be forgiven. 
But the only one that caused you to repent, the rebuke has to come from God. Well, sometimes it'll come from a man's mouth and people won't get a hold of it all of a sudden. So let's get back to that. Let's get back over there to that. uh... So everything that's going on over here with Israel after after they were a nation for 500 years going after this idolatry, serving what they see, God uses a... He picks up evil men to beat them with. Does the Bible say that? Oh, yeah, it does. Look over here in Psalms, the 17th chapter. Psalm 17. Boy, David expresses it right. Psalm 17, this is what God will do when you're rebellious to Him and you belong to Him. Psalm 17. All right. Here, the writer says here, this is a prayer of David. If you've got a Bible that's got superscription, the superscription is right above the psalm. It says here, David's prayer to God to be a servant, to be saved from his enemies. A prayer of David, it says right there. That's the superscription. That'll tell you who wrote it and what it's about. So let's read some of this. I'm not going to read all of it. But here in verse 6, this is David. I called upon thee, Lord. Thou wilt hear me, O God. Incline thine ear unto me and hear my speech, Lord. David has got all kinds of people after him. He's got Saul, the first man that chased him, and first Samuel chased him, wanted to kill him, <coughs> accusing David of trying to take over his throne. It was God that put him on the throne, not 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 David didn't put himself up there. And he says he had Ahithophel, he had his sons. Uh, he had Absalom trying to take the throne away from him, chasing his father out of town. God used evil men to get a hold of David. And if he uses evil men in your life, that's what he's supposed to do. And until you really surrender over and say, Lord, I give up, a lot of the trouble won't stop. It won't even stop after you say that because God knows just how weak some of us are. So he keeps spanking us. Did you ever have children that you spanked? Did you quit spanking them when they were, say, I'm going to spank you uh, until you get to be four and then I'm going to quit? No. No. You have to keep spanking them to make them grow up to be right. That's exactly what God did with the 70 weeks of Daniel and using these evil systems to correct Israel. Putting them in captivity, killing them, just doing all kinds of torturous things to him. And he says, I have called upon thee, for thou hast thou wilt hear me, O God. Incline thine ear unto me, and hear my speech. Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand. 
Oh, I like that right hand. The right hand was the hand of authority. The right hand was used by the king to appoint the new prince that was going to be king. The Bible speaks of Jesus at the right hand of the Father. It don't mean the Father was an actual old gray-headed man sitting on the throne. Right hand denoted the authority. He said, you, in fact, remember in Revelation, the first chapter, Jesus had five, had seven stars in his right hand. And he says those seven stars were the seven angels of the seven churches or the seven messengers. And the seven churches was the seven candlesticks there in the 20th verse of the first chapter of Revelation. O thou that savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against thee. That rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of the eye. I wish I had time to go into that. He said Israel was the apple of his eye. When a king would go out in public back in that day and time, he'd have a barrel of apples with him, or maybe a basket of apples. And as he would ride through a chariot through a town, he had special favorite subject, and he would throw them an apple. That was, he said, Israel was the apple of his eye. That word apple, baba, means pupil. That's the ones he could see. And that's a lot to that subject. Now, what was I? Eight. Eight. Keep me as the apple of thy eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. Sometimes I pray that prayer. Lord, hide me from my enemies. There's people that want to destroy me from my past. I've got a lot of skeletons in my closet from my past. Do you? Most of us do, don't we? From the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies. He's saying, you take care of my deadly enemies. He's not saying, save them, is he? No. He's talking about vessels of wrath that are fitted to destruction. Who compass me about their surrounding me. They are enclosed in their own fat. Fat fat did not mean cellulite. Not fat like we talk of that's on the side of our bodies. Fat meant the richest of the cattle, the richest of the crops, the richest of the land. They're enclosed in their own wealth and riches. With their mouth they speak proudly. They have now compassed us in our steps. They've surrounded us. Sometimes I feel like that. They have set their eyes bowing down to the earth like as a lion that is greedy of his prey, as it were a young lion lurking in secret places. Young lions were more ravenous than an old lion. Young lions would kill you if they got a hold of you. Young lions were always talked about as men going into battle that were fierce. Arise, O Lord, disappoint this these people. Cast him down. Deliver me, my soul, from the wicked, which is your sword, Lord. God has raised these people up against us to cut us down, to cause us to bow to his will. From men which are thy hand, O Lord. Boy, there's tremendous amount of truth in that. God raises up evil men to cut us to the ground. 
That's what he was doing with Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. He was scourging Israel so they could become a part of those six points of Daniel 9.24, making an end of sins, the end of transgression of Israel. He's going to change their hearts over the time period. From men of the world which have their portion in this life, and whose belly thou fillest with thy hid treasure, they are full of children, and leave the rest of their substance to their babes. As for me, I will behold thy face. In righteousness I shall be satisfied when I wake with thy likeness. Now, so does God beat his people? Go back over here to Hebrews 12. How much time do you have, Mike? 24. All right. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son he he does the receiving. We don't receive him. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. When you're going through this beating for your own good, and he makes you realize it, you're a son of God. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? If a person doesn't get any chastening or any scourging, but if ye be without chastisement, whereof are all our partakers, then are ye bastards, and you're no son of mine. Sons will be obedient to God, like I had up on the board earlier. You are my friends if you keep my commandments. That's why you got to know the difference between agape and flail. You can't say real nice people are, are God's sons. No. Most nice people in the world that get along with the world are God's enemies. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partaker of his holiness. He's beating us so we can get over our sin and ourselves and partake of his H-A-G I-A-S-M-O-S. Hagiosmos comes from the word Hagios, which is the word holy. Holy means pure or single. That's what the fire is for. It's to, We go through fiery trials, and that is evil men hurting us and beating us. You know why we end up going through that? Because when we're young, we want to run with those people and get a piece of their action. I wanted a piece of the action in the music business. I wanted a piece of the action in real estate. All I did was get hurt. I've had so many people hurting me. But it, they were in the hand of God. When the Bible says, what did we say about the hand of God a while ago? He said the hand of God was evil men. Didn't he say that? Remember Job said, in the first chapter of Job, 
Satan goes before God and God says, Have you ever noticed my servant Job, how he's a righteous man, he's good evil? And Satan said, Well, no wonder he's good evil and he's rich. You've surrounded him with a fence. What else are you going to do? Serve you. He serves you because Satan was a charismatic. He said, you can serve God and you can get all the money and things you want like Job. And Satan said, turn him over to me and I'll cause him to curse you. God says, he's in your hand. Under these conditions, you can't touch his body and you can't touch his life. Do you understand Satan? Satan says, yes, sir. And he goes about to destroy Job. And the Bible says one of the first things that happens says the Sabians came in and carried camels away. The next thing that happens, the Bible says the fire of God fell from heaven. It wasn't the fire of Satan. It was God's fire. Satan was nothing but an instrument in the hand of God to bring about God's will in Job's life. That's it. Satan was the same thing that God did to Israel with the 70 weeks when he raised up Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome, the beast to carry them away captive and to kill them off and destroy them. And certain few were, certain few would come out of that, but not all of them. They say Isaiah was sawed in half. Tradition says that the that the pagans put Isaiah in a log and cut him in two. I got a picture of that. It's not Isaiah, but it's of a man. I got some of these tracks. Shows a man hanging upside down and being sawn in half, starting with his bottom. Now that's what, and on this, I've got copies of this. And I've got all these verses about suffering for Christ. Preachers don't preach that anymore at all. Now, let's read this. Let's finish reading this. Then he says here, well, I've messed up. Turn the page. All right. And he says, The Father of our flesh corrected us. We gave them reverence. Then he says in verse 10, For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. My father used to, my older brother would be beating me up, and daddy would come and say, You boys, stop that. And he'd, pick, he'd grab both of us and whip us. And I couldn't understand. Why is he whipping me? Clyde's beating up on me. Now he's going to spank me. But he for our profit that we might be partaker of his holiness. Holiness comes about by the fire. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Strange is the word X-E-N-O-S, Xenos, and it comes from X-E-N. I-Z-O, which means a stranger or an occasional guest. The Bible says, the Bible says that the fiery trial is not a once in a while thing. 
it's supposed to be in the life of every believer. And when it comes, don't think it's an occasional guest because it's not. It'll be back tomorrow. You're having a hard time? You better learn to welcome this guest and treat him with hospitality. He's going to be here for a while. Until you get old, wore out. I'm old and wore out. I'm tired. And if God wants to send me somebody to chastise me, I just say, well, that's his will. That's okay. Let the Lord doeth what seemeth him good, is what Samuel said, or what Eli said to Samuel in the fifth chapter of First Samuel. Samuel said, God's going to kill your two sons because they're evil. And Eli was the high priest of God. And he said, let the Lord do what seemeth him good. He knew he couldn't get away from Samuel's words. And then he says, For no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. Boy, what a statement. It doesn't seem fun when you're going through it today, does it? But grievous, it grieves you to have to go through these things. Nevertheless, Afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Those that are exercised by these trials and persecution, I wouldn't think the way I think and be the man I am if I had not gone through all those trials for years. That's what made me surrender and give up to God. I threw my hands in the air. When I was in the hospital in my mid-40s, I said, Lord, I give up. I'm going to quit trying to be rich or be somebody famous. I'm just going to give your truth to people. Now, all of this is the same thing that was going on. Let me give you a couple other verses. Go over here to Jeremiah 1. I'm just going to show you how the same thing that happened to them happens to us. Jeremiah, the first chapter, verse 5. Jeremiah 1 and 5. And the Lord says to Jeremiah, verse 4, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, I keep asking you, who is the word of the Lord? has to be because in the beginning was the Word there in John 1 the Word was with God and the Word was God the same was in the beginning with God and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us John the first chapter so anytime you find the Word coming to Jeremiah or the Word coming to Ezekiel Jesus is the God of the Old Testament he said he was so the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, Yatsar is the word formed, Y-A-T-S-A-R. What God is saying, I know your mother and father think that they formed you in the belly. They didn't, I did. Boy, that is amazing. You stop and think, I've asked doctors this. If a sperm, when a man ejaculates, he gives off 300,000 to 500,000 sperm. 
It's not the first sperm, it's the egg that penetrates it. And I ask doctors, I say, if it's any other sperm that goes into the egg, is it the same person? Every one of them said no. It's a different person. That is the amazing thing from God. So he had to set up the passion that's going on between between Jeremiah's mother and father at the exact time so it would be that exact fertilization to be that exact person. If it was another sperm or another egg, not that person, another Do you realize that God has had to do this with all of our families through the centuries? That he even has to stir them sexually to come together in order for us to be who we are. You stop and think about that. Just, wow. How can that be? God knows everything, even stirs the passion of people. He said, before I formed thee in the belly. That word yatsar is the same word as potter in Hebrew. I knew thee. I knew thee before I formed thee. Yada. I knew you as a person. You were mine. I determined you. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. Kadosh made you holy. That's a Hebrew word. Q-A-D-A-S-H. I made you a holy person. That would be equivalent to the New Testament word hagios. I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet. I ordained that you will be a prophet to the nation of Israel. Was there any question about what Jeremiah was going to do when he grew up? None. He's the one that preached to Israel for 40 years about all of their apostasy while they were a nation. For five. He prophesied from 626 B.C. to 586 B.C. And that is 40 years. Prophesied to him that long. Now, did he do the same thing to us? Look over at John 15. Did he choose us? We've been talking about him choosing Israel. John 15 He's talking to the apostles. He says basically the same thing to the twelve apostles that he said to Jeremiah. The the New Testament is just the same thing as the Old Testament. Same thing. And he says here in John 15, 16, You have not chosen me, Eklagomai, Eklegomai. You didn't choose me. I did the choosing. Well, that's what he said. I did the accepting. I accepted you. You didn't accept me. Choosing. Eklegomai. 
comes from ek and lego. Lego is the verb form of logos. Logos, however you want to pronounce it. It means to the word choose lego, the verb, from the beginning, from outside of time, from here. I did from the beginning and from outside outside of time I legoed you logos you were my word you didn't choose me but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit that sounds a lot like predestined to be conformed to the image to the image of Christ to the icon and the likeness likeness of Jesus because what is the fruit they're going to bring forth apples and oranges grapes no the fruit of the spirit find that in Galatians 5.22 love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith against us there is no law That's what he says. He says, I've chosen you that you go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit shall remain. It won't leave you. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Can I ask for a Cadillac? No. Ask is a conditional word. It is the word Iteo, A-I-T-E-O. And we receive the things that we ask, First John 3.22. We receive the things that we ask. A-I-T-E-O. First John 3.22. We receive the things that we ask if we keep His commandments. Keep tereo. That's the same word. That's the same word as we talked about earlier. The angels were cast into Tartarus, kept or reserved to the day of judgment. Reserved and keep are the same word, reserved. That's in Second Peter, the second chapter, Second Peter. Second chapter. They're reserved to the day of judgment. We receive the things that we ask. If we keep, it means to guard. God has guarded these angels and he's kept them. He's reserved them and keeping them in hell, in the lowest pit of hell in Tartarus, till the day of judgment. Well, if we guard, if we keep his commandments... That means to guard like your own guard. Like you got him in a safe. You got him in a vault. You're standing there with a rifle daring anybody to change him. Where's the vault that they're in your heart? He's written his words in fleshy tables of our hearts there in the second chapter, in the third chapter of Second Corinthians. So, if we keep his commandments, wait a minute, that has to do with you are my friends. Philia, remember that? 
if you do the things I say. Do things I say. I say. That's the same thing as keeping his commandments. Guarding them against loss. You're never going to be able to do all the commandments, are we? No, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. (coughs) So we have to (coughs) guard them against loss and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. These are the two things we have to do. Pleasing and keep. That word keep, it means to guard against loss. And that's how we receive the things that we ask. And what's pleasing to God, you find in first, first um, in Romans 12 and 1. 12 and 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, pleasing, same word. Same word as pleasing. So death to self is pleasing to God, and that's how we receive the things that we ask. So self cannot be involved with asking. Never. This is a stiff scripture, isn't it? It's hard to come by. You can't have what you want just because you want it. Now, you can't, everything in the Old Testament is just like the New. I keep saying, I've been preaching on the subject of, I've been preaching on the 70 weeks of Daniel. We got to the 70th week. The 70th week is going to determine the righteousness of God's true Israel. Righteousness of God's Israel. Which is believing Israel. They weren't going to heaven because they were in Israel over here in the Old Testament. Paul said in Romans 9 chapter, They are not all Israel which are of Israel, the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Just because you're a little Jew don't mean you get to go to heaven. You have to be a Jew of the heart. You have to be circumcised of the heart. You have to be, you have to be pleasing to God. That's why I say all this over here is the same thing as this over here. You got to understand when I talk about the, the time, time, and then half a times. That's the last half of the 70 weeks, 70th week. When I talk about 1260 days, when I talk about 1260 days, that's all one half of seven years on a Jewish calendar, and that's the very end of time where the 70th week is split in two. This is going to finalize. This is God's beat Israel all this time until they repent at the end of that 70th week. But that includes us, because true Israel is the believer. So the beating is... Have you ever been surprised at why you have such a difficult time? 
and you couldn't figure it out because it's supposed to be that way because we naturally as human beings don't have anything good in us nothing it's hard to come to that realization if God God has turned me over to myself at times just like the just like the prodigal son father give me the things that come to me so I can go live my own life. And he goes out there and he gets beaten by the world. He ends up in a pig pen eating husk with the swine. He said, if I could just get up and go back to my father. Whose son was he when he was out there? Whose son, who did he belong to, the prodigal son, when he was out there in his sin? He, he was God's son, wasn't he? He was his father's son. Just because you get lost and go into the pit of sin and hell don't mean God has disinherited you because he hasn't. And the world has beat him up and he said, I'll go to my father and I'll tell him, Father, I'm not worthy to be called your servant. I'm not worthy to be your son. Just let me put, just put me in your house and I'll be a servant. And his father rejoiced when he came back. He said, you're my son. And he put the ring on his finger and killed the fatted calf. That's what all this is about. It takes a lifetime to learn to live godly, doesn't it? I have an easier time living godly than most people here because I'm 82 and you're not. That's what makes the difference. If you can just get old, that'll help you more than anything. Okay, just say, God, make me 70 by tomorrow. Because <laughs> you can get 70, you're kind of home free, aren't you? <laughs> well, you still struggle, but not like you did when you was 35. I'm out of time. I just wanted to show you that these things... When you had all of these things here, there was a war. There was a war with all those 1260 time, time, and half times. I'm going to cover that again. I hope this will help people understand. The Old Testament is just like the New. There's no difference. One is spiritual, the other is literal. The other one's a shadow, and the other's the very image. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Lord, I couldn't understand why I had to go through so many trials, but I thank you now for it because you have really brought me to a place where I really want to be pleasing to you. I pray that you'll strengthen the flock here and help them understand that. What they go through is for their good. It all works together for good for them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Fight our battles. We've got all kinds of battles from the world that wants to destroy us. You fight these battles. That's the thing, Lord. We need to understand. You fight the battle. We don't. And strengthen the sheep. Open up many opportunities for this ministry. And we'll... Praise you for everything in Christ's name. Amen.